0: Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast, stories from the people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben (laughs) Goetz. So here's a story that you may not think to seek out, and nor would you expect such a story to come from two individuals in charge of major aspects in development in Atlanta's Summerhill neighborhood. I'd like for you to meet Jack and David from Carter, USA. Now, I know what you're thinking, and believe me, the real estate side of things is not always of the foremost thought if you're a diner in this city. However, Summerhill is slowly becoming the next darling neighborhood of this city, and the guys at Carter play a major role in what's happening all up and down Georgia Avenue. So I wanted to hear their stories and also have them give me the full picture of what's happening in and throughout the neighborhood, some of the history behind everything, and what's coming in the very near future. So I'd like for you guys to meet Jack Murphy and David Nelson of Carter USA. Enjoy. So Jack and David, welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. First and foremost, thanks for being here. Thank you. Or, or thanks for having me. I don't. I totally messed that up. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being in your space for me thank, to be here. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is really cool. I'm, I'm really excited to chat with you guys about Summerhill and there's a lot going on here and there's a lot to unpack. And I feel like everybody's getting bits and pieces of the story. Everybody's getting bits and pieces of, of the restaurants that are opening here, how much um, just love and attention and revitalization is going into the neighborhood and I think a lot of people for the most part I mean could even live, you know in parts of DeKalb or Fulton County and not even really have thought that Summer Hill was actually a place, you know, like part of a zip code in Atlanta Like where is it, you know, and um, it's cool that a lot of that is now like, you know getting really good light so um, Anyway, before we jump in all that that we could just end the podcast. <laughs> thanks perfect. for being here. Good, thank thank, you. Yeah. Thanks for being on the show. It was great Um, but before we do that, I I have to ask you guys the same question that I ask everybody who's on the show So you guys have to tell me who cooked for you growing up and what kind of cook was he or she and jack Why don't you start? So i'm from atlanta.
1: <laughs> My parents are from the north though So i'm a second generation or there. I guess i'm a first generation Atlanta. um, but because they're northern, um Growing up, my mom mainly cooked for me and we didn't really have a traditional Southern food experience. So like when I meet people and they hear I'm from Georgia and they ask about traditional Southern things like pecan pie or grits or whatever, like those are not what I grew up with. I grew up with just kind of very um, straightforward food, probably similar to what Dave grew up with. He's from New York, Uh, my mom's from Rochester. And so it was kind of very traditional um, foods, like nothing, not a big Southern flair. And I'd say it was actually the opposite of Southern because it was like super healthy. My mom has a master's in nutrition, and so it was like very like not using butter, not using real butter, like portion control. I mean, she she literally like weighs chicken before she puts it on her salad. Whoa! Like serious stuff. And I think it probably (laughs) didn't help that when I was little, I was David's laughing at you. Pretty much a a fat ass. I mean, I was like way. <laughs> way That's what like, I'm really? laughing at. He knew it was coming. <laughs> Waiting for you to say it. Oh my yeah, god. He knew. Goodness gracious. Um, That's I fine. mean, I was, I was uh, pretty pretty heavy, and so <laughs> I think my mom kind of went into like nutrition mode on me, and so um, it was like always always healthy meals, and then I'd like sneak over to my friend's house and have like three ding dongs and like a Mountain Dew <laughs> nice. and ruin everything that my mom was trying to do. Um, but yeah, me and my mom, and then my grandmother. A little bit she lived in florida so when we went down there um i'd get you know that experience but it was um i would say it was kind of like in the fairway as far as like experimenting you know, like different types of foods so, nice um it was a good golf reference
2: yeah there you go. <laughs> very nice yeah
1: um, so it's funny like talking to Jarrett or some of these restaurateurs down here, I mean they talk to me like using all these terms and I'm like guys I don't <laughs> I trust you. I know what you're doing is good But I don't yeah. know what you're talking about right now.
0: Yeah so. And you know growing up with with my parents um, a lot of people like my friends like oh my gosh your parents are chefs I bet you eat so well at home like yeah between their you know 90 hour work weeks. Yeah, we eat great totally yeah. great Yeah, but um but that's like a completely different story of like, my mom's a nutritionist. Everyone's like, uh, yeah. you must eat a lot of greens yeah. at home. And I mean, it was like grilled yeah.
1: chicken, green beans. Nice. Yeah. Very healthy.
0: Yeah. Well, it looks like you're on the better side of things. You look like you're a very <laughs> healthy know. young man, Jack. You look actually like doing great.
1: Kind of funny. I think it <laughs> like having that experience helped me as when I was older and my, Eventually my metabolism sped up, which was good. Oh, that's good. (laughs) But as it's starting to slow down, as I get older, I at least know from when I was little, like portion control, like how to like get, like keep myself, you know, straight. Whereas my brother- We're just also proud of him now too. Yeah, thank you. Um, My brother was like really thin when he was little, could eat whenever he wants, and now, he, it's catching up to him. Yeah. And so we've sort of switched roles, which <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> yeah,
0: it does happen as you get older. You know, you eat something that's really indulgent. Um, as much as I love Sarah, you know, you go and eat like half of a croissant, yeah. you're like, golly, oh yeah. I feel like I need to fill out a form after that or something. <laughs> I don't I don't really know what I, I should do, but um, <laughs> well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that you're here with us. Yeah. It looks like you're doing just <laughs> fine. Um, <laughs> even though you're getting
2: laughed at. That's okay. <laughs> that's
0: okay. Uh, David, same question to you, man. Tell me who cooked for you growing up and what kind of cook was he or she?
2: yeah so i grew up in upstate new york in syracuse so down the road from rochester and my mom didn't have a masters of nutrition but we also didn't have craft macaroni and cheese or any of the the great things in the in the in the pantry we pretty much had nothing in the pantry so my mom had probably had a masters of just scrounging for whatever she could find to make us and i think what i grew up on eating or at least when I think about what I grew up eating is in upstate New York, kind of how it's different than here. Um, although what we're doing on George Avenue is pretty similar where it's, you know, individuals and business owners that um, own their own restaurant or their own shop. Back home, there weren't a lot of chains. There weren't a lot of chain restaurants. And yeah. so, I, you know, I grew up working at the bakery or going to a bakery, um, going to a local deli or a pizza, pizza shop. So it was like, and you would know the owner and you would know everyone. And so it would, it was like a really cool environment. And so, I mean, I ate a lot of that and then, you know, I ate whatever I could find kind of in the house mostly.
0: Nice. Yeah. It's, um, it's really cool to, to hear, you know, I mean, I, um, I grew up in Florida, you know, and, um, most of the time, like I, I remember visiting, my mom was a, a cake decorator for a long time, you know. And going to a bakery, I I don't really remember too much about, um, you know, going to a bakery. If we wanted bread, you know, it, it was it was really. Um, it was, it was a really special thing whenever my mom would bake bread. Like, that's something that I always looked forward to. But, like, you know, I have friends who, you know, like, they grew up in Brooklyn. Like, they grew up in in Queens. And, like, yeah, I mean, if we wanted bread, like, my mom would give us, like, a quarter and we'd go get a baguette. And that's when they were, like, six years old. Like, six-year-old, like, walking down the street. Like, that experience is, like, the most... Picturesque thing that I would, <laughs> I would love to have as an experience, but um, I always think about that. Yeah. but um, well, I
2: mean, my mom lives in Florida now, and she—it's funny because she complains about Florida, like she's. I think big, everyone complains yeah. about Florida now, yeah, but, <laughs> but she'd complain more about being in New York for sure. So, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, when it comes to cooking, so like she loved making fudge, or she loved baking, and it's just the water is completely different in Florida. Like everything's just different than yeah. kind of how she or we grew up. Um, no real like Italian food yeah um, which were a lot of people that we grew up all around, so um, it's definitely kind of regionally so different,
0: no, oh, yeah, very much, yeah, I'm from there, and I don't miss it, so <laughs> I would complain with your mom, we'd probably have a lot of fun, yeah, like what's wrong? I mean, it's great that we don't have income tax, but everything else is wrong with this play yeah. um, well, uh tell me a little bit about how you guys made your way to Atlanta
1: well. <laughs> I don't you know were if we born. want to get into that. Oh, we, <laughs> we're I, going to. Yeah, it's going to be great. So born in Atlanta. Um, then I went to <laughs> University of Georgia. And then I came right back to Atlanta. Uh, I was working for a, a hospitality company that uh, managed some conference centers and hotels in the area. Um, I did that for less than a year before I realized that was not for me. Uh, I liked hospitality. I liked that industry, but the com- I think it was a combination of the company I was working for, the role I was in, um, didn't feel like I had a lot of role models, you know, where I was in the company. Um, and I decided I want to switch companies, so I talked around, went to a, different, a few different places, and I went to Carter, um, and they said, look, we're not hiring right now, um, but you could be an intern. We have interns from Georgia Tech and Georgia State, um, and you could just do the spring internship and see what happens. And so I figured I would rather have an internship at a place that I could see a future at versus working in a place that I hated. So I left, came to Carter, and um, for the next few months I basically sat in Dave's office <laughs> and just watched him send emails, you know, work, and like kind of learn from him, and then would do whatever he needed me to do um, and try to make it so that by the end of the internship they're like, Well, we need this kid here. Uh and so um I'm loving eventually. how much
0: history there is between you guys. Yeah. And like you can really feel it, yeah. which is really so, cool. So
1: um <laughs> eventually they hired me. Nice. And then that was five and a half years ago. Gotcha. Yep.
0: Very cool. And and Dave sorry, Dave or David? Either one's fine. <laughs> Either one's fine. So um did your did your family come down to Atlanta? Like when did you when did you move to the city?
2: So I moved to Atlanta. 20, 20 years ago or so, 18, 19 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I came to go to Georgia Tech. And so I was looking for an engineering school and everywhere in the Northeast has underground tunnels or triple pane window glass and because it's so cold and I was just ready to kind of go somewhere else, get away from home and just start something new. And so Georgia Tech seemed like kind of a great place for me looking for engineering. And, and I guess I was there for about six years. I did undergrad engineering and grad school and business school. And about halfway through business school is when I found a real estate company called Novaire Group. And we were building high-rise condos at the time. They do apartments now. And I worked there for about three years until the market, I guess, just completely crashed. Mm-hmm. So 07, and, and then year. came over to Carter. And I've been, I've been here you know, 11, 11 and a half years.
0: Gotcha. And it's interesting because, you know, I mean, um, you know, the, the the podcast is as you guys have listened to is a collection of, you know, what I it's this dopey thing, you know, like this kind of saying that I developed It's people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. Everyone from Sarah O'Brien across the street to Jared Stieber, Parnas Savong, like they're all coming here to Summerhill to Ann Quattrano and Steven Satterfield, like people who are, you know, pretty prolific Chefs. And I think the, the side of the of the food industry that I love to be able to tell is is I guess what would be kind of like the underbelly, I guess the undercurrent of really what makes things work. You know, I had John and Vivian Bensick and they own Square Feet Studio, you know, and being architects and designers Maybe not the first thing that you're thinking of of like I'm going to have a meal at a really nice restaurant. Is the architecture and design the first thing that I'm going to appreciate when I walk in the door, Probably not before you hit the bar for a really nice cocktail. You know, it just depends. But your guy's work is really interesting to me because the the development side and how how much time and attention is being poured into a specific area of the city is something that I mean you can see it all over the place. I mean, I, um, I love seeing how much is just happening in a very small number of city blocks and how many people that I know, love, appreciate have dined in their restaurants, have supported them for many, many years. And this is becoming like the next step in their career, like they're you know, growing, whether it's a restaurant empire or next project or concept is, is really cool. So talk to me about your guys work from Carter here in Summerhill.
2: Well, I'll start. I mean, I think just playing off something that you said that was interesting is like, yeah, the first thing when you walk into a restaurant, you're headed to the bar, that you're not thinking about who was the architect at this, or you're thinking about the architecture, you're thinking about who's the great chef, I want to go great, have a great meal. But I mean, if you kind of take 30 steps back from where you were walking in the door, and all the people and things that it took to kind of make that place. So if you take all these same chefs, these amazing chefs that we have in our street, but then you got some pretty unimagined buildings in a strip mall with a sea of parking in front of it. And then you told somebody to park, you know, at the end of the parking lot and walk across that sea of parking into a pretty bland, you know, strip mall, if you will. And you go in and have maybe the same, and then the interior isn't great either, but then the food's exactly the same. That entire experience, and the chef wouldn't have chosen to go into that you know, space either. And so that entire experience when someone leaves will be completely different than, you know, coming into, you know, parking in a gravel parking lot, walking down, like trying to find something You're in this really cool old building that's the own person's building that they have. It's their front door that they painted the color that they wanted it to be. And all of those things, I mean, the experience is completely different. Yeah,
0: it, it is really interesting. And I mean, Georgia Avenue, um, I mean, it. it it changes almost every day, which is really fun. And I remember um, I was over at the zoo with my kids, and then uh, we drove down Georgia Avenue and just just to kind of like come through and see. Like I wanted to see because I think it was right after the news that um, I think it went like right after like Sarah had announced. So, I mean, it was long before they had opened, and but there was still it. It was right after that when like a lot of this like the pop of color kind of showed up. I mean, like seeing the difference and just the the shades of the buildings you know between like you know little tart and big softy and then you know, just more continues to to change and it's um it's really it, it's just so full of personality and, and i think it's really great i mean you're know, seeing old photos of what Summerhill looked like like what georgia avenue looked like 30 40 50 years ago um it it seems like it's a really great way of throwing it back and really keeping the the history alive which yeah. is really cool
1: I think one of the things we had to keep in mind the whole process was to try not to do too much. I mean, really let the tenants use their creativity, um, like the things that they're good at, the environments they're good at creating, and just let them do that. Rather than us try to predict the future and pick out a paint color for a building or um, do too much design on the interior, and just let the tenants, you know, come in and make it their own space. I think that like allowing them to thrive, is what is gonna make this development so successful.
2: Yeah, I mean, we had, so we had a paint color for Little Tart and Big Softy, <laughs> and Sarah was like, I don't, I, I wanna paint it something different. <laughs> and, you know, everyone in our office and other, we're all rolling around, we gotta see paint swatches and we're like toiling over it and I don't know if we can change the color because that color is kind of like another color that we are gonna do. And at the end of the day, it was just like, we just got to let them do what they do really well and can cons- because this that is that's her building and and if she does her building the way she wants it to be so that it feels that way the entire time and then you know ben and todd and Shelly, they do their building the way they want it to be that's okay yeah. and it's going to be great and yeah. so i think you know jack's spot on and and letting their creativity both in their food and the experience, but then also the look of how they want their place to be.
0: Yeah. You know, and um, I, I have so many conversations with people who are business owners and they're small, medium sized businesses. They're not food factories. You know I mean? You know, even speaking with someone like Jared Stieber, you know, doing a pop up and then now getting ready to open a restaurant, it's not gonna seat three hundred people at a time. It's you know? Thirty. Yeah, thirty. You know, I mean you're talking about a really you know, and in, in terms of size, like it's pretty, you know, small in stature. And, you know, when um when you start talking about the business side and then also you heap on, you know, you're running the business, like you're running, you know, you're you're managing your own P and L, like you're hiring and firing staff, you're taking care of everything else. And then on top of everything else of this thing that you have built and know and love, like your landlord might just be a raging asshole. You know what I mean? I, I think so many people mm. have, um, have a different experience. They have a very different experience when it comes to working with um, you know, certain people that run that side of their business that they might not have control over. So um, it's, um, it's, it's really cool to, to just see how much, I mean, I, I think just how much slack or really how much rope you're really letting these people have in terms of creativity and not trying to, not trying to keep your thumb over. Yeah you know, where these people are are developing their creativity, especially for something that's brand new.
1: Yeah. It's certainly a different experience for us. I mean, typically we're used to having control over every single facet of a building, whether it's a apartment building or an office building. I mean we're very dialed into every single detail. Yeah. And but in this experience on this street it's different. I mean it's not the way it's gonna be. And so there's been some challenges because of that. But, you know, I think we push ourselves to kind of go outside our comfort zone on something like this because it's that important to what the, we're, the rest of our development yeah just to let these creators thrive
0: yeah and i mean i guess before we get a little bit further down you know just talking about some of the things that are happening here in the neighborhood talk to me about you know just like the the history side of Summerhill. Where exactly are we? And I mean, it, it is really fun, like getting to see people that have like they've never driven down or walked down George Avenue. They've been to the zoo, or they've, you know, been over to. Um, they've been to like, um, you know, the like they've been to the cemetery, but they've never been like just a few blocks over this way. So where are we? And what is Summerhill?
2: Yeah. So Summerhill. Let's. I mean, I guess there's never really been a major reason to be here other than coming in for a Braves game and then leaving, or zipping into the zoo and then back out, um, but if if you really rewind, you know, years, Summerhill is one of the, you know, first neighborhoods, kind of, I guess one of the first, I, I won't even call it a suburb, but one of the first in-town neighborhoods of the city of Atlanta, and it was, you know, settled by um, black and Jewish um, immigrants that were here, and and it was a thriving, I mean, Georgia Avenue had shops restaurants it had markets and and this was the place that people did business it was a place where people lived and then the highways came through both 75 85 20 and then fulton county stadium came and in the neighborhood
1: basically was cut in half yeah. there and are also limitations that the federal government put into place on getting loans in certain areas mm. um, and this area was graded as a d which was the worst it could possibly be oh wow and it's called redlining and so a lot of the businesses or homeowners that were here ha- ended up leaving because they couldn't refinance their home or put money into their business. And so I think at one point, there were 80 businesses along George Avenue. Oh my. And before Little Tart opened, there were basically zero. Right. I mean, there were, about, there were three, I think, maybe in the last 15 years that ended up closing. Um, but it's pretty crazy to see the, just the decline from basically the 30s and 40s till now. Um, and it wasn't just businesses either. I mean, I think the residential density decreased by about 75% right. in that same time frame. And so we're kind of trying to turn those trends around, you know, bring homes and households back in the area, bring businesses back in the area. Um, but also we're, you know, in close contact with all the folks that had, have been living here for 30 or 40 years yeah. or 20 years. It was crazy. If it wasn't
2: for how involved and engaged the neighborhood is, I mean, many of these buildings wouldn't even be here today. So if it wasn't for the neighborhood going and finding, you know, that Leo Frank, you know, that that um, happened, you know, here and that his house, it wasn't actually one of these buildings, but they were able to label one of these buildings. These buildings were able to to still be here. And otherwise, yeah. you know, buildings were being taken down for parking lots mm. to serve. Yeah. You can make more money brands. leasing
1: right. parking than you could leasing to a restaurant. Yeah.
0: It is really funny. I mean, you know, we're we're essentially, I mean, if you threw a baseball hard enough, you're going to get it as close to like old Ted Stadium. Yeah. I mean, we're that close, which, yeah. you know, you might not really think about it. You know, I mean, I I, th- I think it took me like my second trip over here to realize like, oh my gosh, like I was never over here. I mean, like we would ride Marta and like go to the, you know, like Old Braves Stadium, but I mean, this would have never been a place that we would have like thought to come over to.
1: Yeah, you know, if we were going to be a lot in of town the people, we we tour or have talked to that are not familiar with the area. They don't live in Grant Park or Summerhill, Peoples Town. Uh, they don't realize how close this is to like Memorial Drive and places that they have been. Their only experience is going down the highway and getting off at Fulton at right. 246 and coming right to the parking lot and <laughs> leaving yeah. so when we'll drive on Memorial and then we'll go down Cherokee and down Georgia and they're like that was like three minutes how do we get here yeah and so it's interesting to see like how close this is to things but people don't really know that
0: yeah it is it is so interesting you know I mean how um, there's so much packed into just a few blocks here. I mean, and, and just looking at, you know, how much there is just on Georgia Avenue, I mean, where you can really walk, you know, from door to door, you know, pretty pretty easily, you know, and so much of that is still preserved. And if you're not looking for it, you know, but now there's going to be a reason to. But mm-hmm. before, like, you would have never really thought of, oh, wonder what type of history that really has or what what is the implication of, you know, historic Atlanta business and neighborhood and infrastructure and family. Like, you, you t- it's so interesting that it takes... You know what's happening now in Summerhill for people to pay homage to that it's so interesting same thing with things like pont city market is like was that just like this black mark you know over an old fourth ward is it going to get torn down what's going to happen with it and then boom you know just what three four maybe just up like something we're right like i don't know maybe at the most five years like now we've got pont city market similar mm-hmm. Krog, you know it's it's really it's so cool to see that a lot of what was is still preserved and it's becoming something new again yeah so, Get really deep there for a second. Apologize.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But what's funny about our tenants is that uh, the initial group that signed on early on. So Sarah O'Brien with little turn, big softy. And then the general Muir team that's doing woods chapel and then halfway crooks brewery guys, they, we didn't show them this place. They all knew this existed because they, they already picked their building before
2: we showed it to them. Uh, Wow. I
1: mean like in, Coincidentally, like I had got connected to Sean like totally randomly. And the day I emailed him, he had driven on his bike with Yoren by the brewery space and just been like, wow, that space is pretty cool. I wonder what's going on there. And just, that was the day that I emailed him. So it was like, they're like, this this is fate. We better check this out. That's Um, so cool. And then Todd, I mean, he's been driving by these buildings for 20 years, always saying, man, something should happen there. And so when he heard that the buildings were being restored he was like the first person down here to check him out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's
2: weird. I mean, we almost look like they're, they're not really our partners and, but they're our partners in this. I mean, they're as much stakeholders in this as we are. They've got as much invested in this yeah. as, as we do. Seriously. And, and they have believed in it as much as we have. And, you know, I think their creativity as much is like ours is what's going to make this great.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, I have like two more questions I want to ask you guys, but you know, for, for the, for the uninitiated, for someone who might not know, like they're still like kind of learning what is Summerhill and then what all is happening in Summerhill. I mean, you guys have these beautiful posters that really map out like here's, here's kind of the map of the neighborhood. Here's all these wonderful people's faces that I know really well of like they're opening new businesses here. What is kind of the um, very near future look like for Summerhill?
2: Yeah. So Summerhill, I mean, we were talking about it in that summer hill was basically cut in half 75% of the homes are gone so now homes are being rebuilt within the other half of the neighborhood where you know lots were taken down or houses were taken down so some of that's starting to rebuild people are moving in or people that were in the homes are renovating and rebuilding or living there but then the other half where that are all just basically parking lots or abandoned buildings and it's not just us there's there's others to lot market and um give me the Noble uh, Clay. Yeah, Noble Clay are going into the building right down on Ormond, And so I mean it's it's happening around, it's not just I mean, I'm talking about all of Summerhill, not just kind of what Carter's doing necessarily. Yeah. But Summerhill and what we're doing now is basically rebuilding that the half that was taken down because stadiums or highways or other things came in. Mm-hmm. And it starts with this retail street on Georgia Avenue. George Avenue will have this really cool neighborhood retail kind of vibe that will be here. But then as you turn Hank Aaron Drive, that's right now like a five lane highway that just gets people to and from downtown. You know, we envision that and and with the city and the neighborhood and others and a lot of studies that have happened of really reducing traffic, we own both sides of the street. So we can have an 1800 linear foot of basically a, a great walking street that'll have offices, it'll have residential, it'll have some student housing, it'll have a grocery store. I mean, there'll be a lot of other services, retail
0: um, and
2: businesses that'll be there.
0: Yeah. Seeing how much has happened just on the, like the, the Southern part of like the East side trail, the Beltline, and then now Summerhill and how much, I mean, even just going up and down Memorial, I mean, it's, it's been so cool. Like this little part of the East side of town, it's a perfect answer for me when I have like family or friends and like, they just have like these crazy perceptions of Atlanta. Like, dude, the traffic is terrible. And it's like such a scary city. Like, let me take you to Summerhill. And what are you talking about? Like I walk my kids, like, we don't have to be in the car and, you know, it's um, it, it just it, it gives people a little bit of a different perspective on what the identity and the cultural beat of Atlanta is becoming. And like it completely blows those perceptions that people have, like out of the water, like they're not even valid <laughs> after that. You know, it's and just to see something like this happening, it's um, it, it's giving people a much better taste in their mouth if they're visiting here, if they're looking for more of like, what do people do if they live here? And, um, I think this is exactly what, you know, I, I think for, for the most part, like this is how most of us like to spend our time. You know, a lot of our entertainment is being in the diverse neighborhoods and a lot of the entertainment side is happening around food in a really good way. And especially really good beer now, which is really cool.
1: Yeah. And I think that, um, for a lot of the listeners, their experience down here in the short term will be Georgia Avenue, yeah. just because that's what's, here, it's delivered, the tenants are building out. By the time this airs, there might even, we might even have a few more open. Um, and so... This is gonna air tomorrow, so... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. But uh, I think that the, the, this street is, is special because well, for one, it's flat and it's straight. And there's just not many streets like that in Atlanta. Um, and so I think the experience on the street level will be different than um, what most experiences are in Atlanta. And uh, you combine that with just the patios that we've tried to include and the um, streetscape improvements that we're doing. Uh, I think it'll become a very pedestrian friendly, walkable, um, you know, fun street for people to just to go hang out on. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people in Atlanta, uh, you know, we don't really talk about, There's there's a few parts of town that people will just go to and just hang out usually people are going to a specific restaurant or a specific place, but hopefully people will say, let's just go to George Avenue for the day. And you can do, you could honestly do breakfast, lunch, beers, dinner, dessert, all in a three block area. And challenge so, accepted. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's happen. yeah that's well, the tenants, I
2: mean, they've kind of come together and, and wanted that and, and have thought about that and the way, you know, it's, are we curating it? They're curating it as well. I yeah. mean, it's, you know Todd was saying hey call that call this person for me you know and so it's um, it's great to kind of see all that come together
0: yeah and it's um you know the the degrees of separation between I mean you know Todd Ginsburg Sarah O'Brien Parnas like the guys from halfway crooks um, Jared Steber like the guys from juniors pizza like it's such a tight community and um, I think they're all I mean, and just, just from, you know, the, the off conversations that I've had, you know, just like, Oh, tell me what's going on. Like, you know, chatting with Jared, like, dude, like you're hearing about little bear, like everyone's almost excited for everybody, you know? And it's, it's so much less about, you know, direct competition and like stealing, you know, people's attention and share of, you know, dining space and market. But, um, it's more of like, dude, anything that we can do to support you. Like, that's what we want to do. And I love that. That's so much of the of the culture that I really feel cause I'm, I i do not work in a restaurant. I mean, I, I, really see it more from the perspective of I'm just a diner or an eater or like I'm a patron, but that like gets very palpable you know, yeah, to, think, to feel how much support there is for each other. Well, I
2: think what you see is one, they're just really good people. Uh, I mean, we've been very fortunate to be working with a lot of really good people who I mean these a lot of these guys are showing up at neighborhood meetings and yeah. and cooking for the neighborhood or doing little I saw that with barbecues. And, I mean it's yeah. awesome. And then they're Hard just nuts, like yeah. but I think the biggest thing is they're they feel a part of the neighborhood. It's so it's not I'm competing with this person across the street or I mean, it's like you're a neighbor, so what would you do with your neighbor across the street from you on a Friday night? I mean you're gonna stand out in front and have a beer together. I mean, they're creating the neighborhood center for Summerhill and, you know, a lot of Southeast Atlanta.
1: Because a lot of these, um, a lot of our tenants are creating their first brick and mortar space or the only Woods Chapel. Uh, This is not just a business to them. I mean, this is their life. So a lot of those things like, you know, arguing over space or that type of thing may happen if you have 12 restaurants and you're just looking at one of them as just a business. But these people like these, they're here Like Dave was mentioning, they're coming to Summerhill neighborhood meetings they're hanging out. I mean, so like cool. these are their. It's like it's like we're a big family somehow. Yeah. I've never been to. I've never been on the street and not seen Yorn and Sean standing
2: inside or <laughs> yeah. on the roof of Halfway Crux. I mean, if you
1: told me that they slept there, I would be like, "Yeah, you're probably right." <laughs>
2: yeah. We don't need a security guard. We just need Jorn and Sean just walking around telling us what's going on. <laughs> are
0: those guys on the roof <laughs> yeah. doing? No, they're like, legit. They're yeah, legit. they're 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 cool. They <laughs> own the brewery. They're fine. Don't worry about it. Um. Well, again, like you know, for 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 someone who's looking for more information, you know, they want to learn a little bit more about like the, the history of this neighborhood and really what's to come, where would you point people to?
1: Well, I'd say our, you know, it's, I'm, I'm a millennial, so I I do Instagram. So (laughs) Summerhill ATL. Great answer. Um, but we have a website that we're actually improving right now. Um, call, what's our website? Summerhill ATL.com. You're not a great millennial, but (laughs) you're a millennial. I'm just kidding. I only do Instagram. (laughs) I don't
0: do websites. I don't don't do that.
2: Uh, yeah. So, yeah, cool. go there yeah. or just come down to Georgia yeah. Avenue. Yeah.
0: I was going to say see like, it yourself. Yeah. You know, get your get yourself. Over here. Ride. a You know, I this is has nothing to do with Summerhill, but I rode a bird scooter from um, and don't ride your bird scooters on the belt line. But ride. I rode a bird scooter from Virginia Highland all the way to the Congress Center not too long ago. Like it's totally doable. Maybe not the safest thing yeah. I've ever done in my life, um, but I did it. You know, so ride a bird scooter down here. Yeah walk because it's not that bad, but like, come see it. That's like a great answer. I love that. Yeah. 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 So, um, well, Jack, Dave, thanks for being on the show. This is really exciting to have you guys. And I'm just, you know, constantly, you know, just amazed at how much is happening over here. So thanks for having me over to this awesome space. Thanks for being on the show. And if you're listening, come check it out.
1: Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: Many thanks to Jack and David for joining me on the show and sharing their stories and their perspectives. And if you'd like to learn more about Jack and David and the entire team over at Carter, head over to carterusa.com. This podcast is recorded all over our beautiful city and edited over on the east side of town by me, your host. Hello again. Our design is headed up by JJ Goetz. And if you like what you hear, you can support the show right now on Patreon for just $5 a month. I'm your host, Ben Getz, and you've been listening to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stay hungry.